Hi, this is the Intersection Communication Tutorials for Diverse People. My name is Dr. Shannon Wong-Lerner, and I have worked with diverse and marginalized people in many different settings and wanted to create these communication tutorials for you. I focus mostly on speech-related communication issues, but I also cover a whole gamut of different psychological and situational things that aren't covered in other public speaking tutorials or programs. Come join me to learn all about different ways that you can come to the table or go to the pulpit or show up at the Zoom meeting as your best self and speak authentically as yourself without leaving your culture, identification, orientation, or process behind. Hi everyone, this is Dr. Shannon Wong-Lerner here with the Intersection Communication Tutorials for Diverse People. This month we are having Ebony Bell on the Intersection Diverse Folks Converse, and as an added bonus, our communication tutorials are going to relate directly to that special interview with Ebony Bell. Ebony Bell is editor-in-chief of TAG Magazine, which was created specifically because of the lack of representation of black queer women and women of color in LGBTQ public culture. Also, Ebony had seen a lack of trans people and she just felt like there needed to be more representation, there needed to be more focus and highlights on people of interest and people doing this work within the community and the culture itself. And so, it's a really exciting episode. I was so happy to have Ebony on. We focused on decentering, this is the title, decentering black queer self-censorship in the face of public shaming, racial profiling, and violence with queer women of color media and programs. And so taking the theme from that episode of Diverse Folks Converse from the Intersection, we're actually going to look at two different aspects of what came from that episode for our communication tutorials this month. One of them is self-censorship, and we're looking very specifically at queer self-censorship. And then the second one is gaslighting and communication. These are two things that I feel like as diverse people, whether you're queer or not, we know what these things are like, right? Self-censorship, so I guess self-censorship of all diverse people, and then uh, the gaslighting that can happen when we try to maybe speak up about our experiences in our places of work, or perhaps even in personal situations. And so when Ebony and I talked about this, we were referring very specifically to an incident that happened June 15th, 2021 at Nelly Sports Bar, which is a queer space that's an LGBT space, happened in the middle of Pride in Washington, D.C., in which Keisha Young, who's a young black woman, was dragged by her hair down the stairs to get her out of Nelly Sports Bar, and she was basically racially profiled. She looked supposedly to the staff like another black woman who, a young black woman who had entered the space, and uh there's a law that you can't bring alcohol into bars. She actually didn't even have uh, the original woman. She didn't have alcohol. Supposedly she had a water bottle. And so 
Keisha Young was treated in this horrible way. It was seen as justified because they believed she was this other woman. Although even if she had done it, if it were her, uh, obviously isn't justified to do that. So this created a big disruption in the middle of Pride in Washington, D.C., which has a huge Pride festival and parade to think about the intersectional problems within LGBT communities. And we might think about it very specifically, like the intersectional problems that happen within communities of color as well. The intersectional problems, not just with queer folks, but also with women, right? Uh, with all kinds of different people with disabilities, people of different age groups, we can think about the whole gamut of things. But thinking this month, very specifically, what does it mean to feel as if you're self-censored? And what is that, how does that happen, okay? This is something that Ebony and I discussed a lot, and I wanna put it within the context of a communication tutorial, specifically for, for diverse people. One of the reasons why I started this communication tutorial is because I realized there were a lot of communication tutorials out there, and they may have focused on situations that perhaps had connected to diverse people, but typically they're skill-based, which are really important, but I feel like as diverse people, we have our own set of communication issues and struggles that we have to overcome, and why not wed these things together? So we're, today we're going to talk about the very first step, which is self-censorship. How do we get to a place where we feel like we can't speak or we stop ourselves before we share a story because when we look around the room and we consider who's in the room, we think, what is the chance? I'm gonna put out all this energy. I'm gonna make myself vulnerable. I'm gonna tell the story. What is the chance that people are just gonna like turn and not hear me or pretend they don't, they don't hear me, make excuses or so on, which is the gaslighting part. But just thinking about what are all the instances in which we have self-censored ourselves and how can we get past that, okay? And so self-censorship, if you think about what it means, sometimes when, pe when we think of censorship in its most basic form, we think of freedom of speech, right? And we think of uh, the Declaration of Independence and we think about, you know, this freedom of speech, which is, is part of our right as people who live in the United States, as residents, as citizens. And so this idea that, you know, it is a myth that we all have freedom of speech because for diverse people, it just simply isn't true because many instances we want to talk about our experiences and even though people hear the words, they either don't believe it, right? They invalidate our experience, or you're within an environment that feels so um, out of touch with your experience that, and what your common experience is as a person of color or a diverse person that you now you start censoring yourself, right? Because you're like, no matter what, even if this like happens in front of people. So one of the things that we had pointed out, Ebony and I, and I had pointed out, because I saw the video right before we did the podcast, was it was highly disturbing how Keisha Young was treated. The fact that she was, uh, you know, grabbed by her hair and pulled down the stairs. But something that Ebony had said too, she was damn near flipped, you know, because it was so violent and aggressive the way she was being treated. 
The other thing that was highly disturbing to me was the way that people around her were responding. So uh, there were a couple uh, white gay men who were filming it and uh, they were making jokes and other people were making jokes and laughing at what was happening, even though this violent thing was happening. At one point they turned the phone to themselves with the backdrop of what's happening to Keisha and they're making cute faces and being thinking it's funny, basically doing a selfie like you would in a concert. So, you know, I find this to be very upsetting. I find this to be very grotesque. Uh, and you might think about what are the things that have happened to you? And this is how we're going to set up these two tutorials. What are the things that have happened to you that you have either shared with your team, shared with your boss, perhaps even shared to HR, or perhaps even directly talked to the person or group of people who were causing some sort of uh, upsetting thing to happen to you, or were you know committing some sort of act of trauma or microaggression toward you? Have you ever had that experience? And then the person hears you, or the person is there, the person did it to you, the person witnessed it, and there is not the appropriate response back. And perhaps it's so inappropriate, it's inhumane, just like what Keisha Young experienced. Have you ever had that happen to you? And just take a moment and think about that. You know, you can tally in your mind. You may have had this happen to you five times this week. What are the things that have happened to you? Just reflect on that right now. Now think about, based on that response that you receive from your team, from your superiors, uh, from HR, from whomever, that response that was put into place very specifically to reverse the impact of that experience, perhaps on themselves because it makes them feel uncomfortable that this happened with under the watch of this company but also perhaps for, you know, well, definitely for you too. How did it stop you in what you felt like you could be allowed to say? How did it stop you in your success in that company? Perhaps how much you spoke up in a meeting or now you have like an idea, you're brainstorming and maybe now you feel like you can't speak because this thing has happened to you and it was a violation and you have temporarily lost something that you had before. So let's think about that for a moment. How has this altered your career to feel the self-censorship at your job? And if you want to write this down, you know, you can take a mental note, you want to just write this down for your own well-being and, and in the course of this tutorial, please feel free. The last thing I want you to cover is let's think about what would you like from your place of work? How would you like for them to respond to you in a way that is filled with respect and integrity for you and a way that helps to correct a situation that is inappropriate, prejudicial, or even might be traumatic to you and harmful, inhumane? How would you like someone to respond? How would you like an ally or an accomplice to respond to you? Someone who is on your side, someone who uh, listens to you and takes into account your well-being and the well-being of the other diverse people in your workplace. 
How would you like for that response to be? And go ahead and make note of that. What would you have already have in your mind and you have in your experience with the things that the people said, the way they acted in a way that was inappropriate and harmful and continued to create that harm, right? That is something that I said about the Keisha Young experience is that she was abused. She received violence first by the security guard that dragged, dragged her down the stairs and she was traumatized. Then again, by the onlookers who did nothing, most of the onlookers. And then uh, again, when we all watch it, depending upon our response, she has to experience that again. That's a total of three times. And then the several times she might be uh, replaying it in her own head when she goes home, right? So thinking about that, how would you like to correct that? How would you like to heal that, mend that for yourself and hopefully for people in the future? Let's think about that for a moment and go ahead and take note of that. So the next part of this tutorial, which is very specifically on diverse people's self-censorship, we're gonna look at ways that you can start to put together an inventory, for example, of ways that you've been treated that could have created this self-censorship and techniques and tools for you to start to climb out of this self-censorship, ways to remedy it that perhaps don't depend upon these people directly, right? Because you can't make people do things. You can't go to HR though and you can't tell them what's going on. But there are other ways to remedy that. We're going to cover that in the next section of this tutorial. You've reached midway in the intersection, communication tutorials for diverse people. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us. I know it's not always easy to come forward and admit that you do need help with your communication because many times when we've done that, we've been faced with misunderstanding, people trying to force us to assimilate to a way of speaking or communicating that doesn't feel right to us or just asking us to whitewash the way that we talk or appear. Here in the intersection, I'm not asking you to do that, but rather I'm giving you a whole bunch of different tools based on my experience and my methods teaching diverse or marginalized people. I'm really excited to be here and thank you so much for joining us. This is part two of the first tutorial for this month in response to episode 12 of The Intersection, Diverse Folks Converse with Ebony Bell. And our first communication tutorial is all about self-censorship. I actually did look this up online and from Oxford, we hear self-censorship as the exercising of control over what one says and does, especially to avoid castigation. So you might think about that in terms of other experiences where you have ex where you have un undergone some sort of self-censorship and what happened to help to create an environment or a situation so you start censoring yourself. Okay, so it talks about avoiding castigation, which is something very specifically that even happened in situations of abuse. 
people start self-censoring themselves because they realize that when they speak up in order to protect themselves, in order to voice something that has happened that you know is wrong, either to yourself or and or to others, or to perhaps another person from a group you don't belong to, uh, you get punished, right, by the abuser. And this is what happens in a lot of work environments as well, is there is a system to silence people of color, to silence diverse people, so that we don't have our voice, so that this is unwelcome information. This is information we don't want to hear. We want things to be positive. And, you know, I talk a lot about positivity and I, I want people to have that in their lives, but I also don't want this to be a toxic positivity that I'm talking about because it's not the same thing. Uh, I believe in self-care and I believe in uh, figuring out ways to take care of these things from the inside out in the way you respond. That is not to be in place of actually... Uh, direct action, right, to take care of business. So if we do, let's let's go to that internal place. If we do feel that self-censorship is to avoid castigation, to avoid some sort of punishment, to avoid further public humiliation, right, just to kind of like, okay, these I took the blows of like someone punching me and I'm just going to like accept that that happened and I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not trying to going to try to fix it. I'm not going to try to rock the boat, as they say. I'm going to just like accept that that happened to me and I'm going to try to move on. Okay. This is not, this is not the answer because if it could happen to you, it could happen to someone else. And as is any abusive situation, it is liable to get worse if you don't speak up. Right. And so if you don't speak up, uh, you know, to an abuser, you you let a situation go on too long or you're not able to get out, uh, the abuse will get worse. It will, uh, it will progress, right? So let's think about this right now. I had given you some prompts before and I want to pick up on that a little bit in terms of communication, in terms, about, in terms of uh, unfolding and sort of unveiling this idea of self-censorship and what that means and how we can get to a place where we feel like we can voice our truths, we can, uh, you know, get out what has happened and as allies too, for those allies who are listening, for those of you to figure out and to know how to validate diverse people's experiences rather than invalidating them for your own comfort, okay? So first, the event, I asked you to like think about a time when something happened to you that you know was unfair, that had to do in particular, whether it was a microaggression, whether it was someone speaking over you in a meeting because you're the only person of color in the room, whether it was, you know, giving a position of leadership to another white male because that is the majority in the room and no one even considers you. There are many different events and things that could happen, whether it's something that's very direct, like someone cutting you off in mid-sentence, someone putting down your idea and then using it later, things like that. So there is an event that happens, and we can think about that, and you can take note of that. There is the retelling of the event to get it out, and hopefully something will happen. So I want to think right now and, and just kind of like... Um, 
shift gears a little bit to think about allyship and how important that is. When Keisha Young was was dragged by her hair, uh, and like I said, it was incredibly disturbing and upsetting, but the thing that was doubly disturbing and upsetting was the way that the, the potential allies around her were responding. I remember hearing like, oh, oh, here we go, here we go. Someone was being funny and kind of just like treating it like entertainment. Uh, Ebony Bell had said something like that, seeing, you know, black people and maybe black queer people as well as these sort of like jesters or these clowns, something that is entertaining for you. Whereas this woman and her humanity was not being valued and her, uh, her being able to be in a place where she was safe was not being valued. What was being valued or what was more important was people's uh, sense of entertainment and like, ooh, what's going on? Like rubbernecking when you see an when people see an accent, everyone slows down, uh, which is you know really sick and disturbing to think about. So one thing that could have made that situation better, you can flash and think about this in terms of uh, your own experiences and what you wrote down is having when you came forward with this, either with if whether it was someone in the company or was just a friend or a family member, and how are they going to respond to help you uh, sort out what you're going to do and just how to uh, mend it internally for yourself. How are you? How are they going to respond? Are they going to be allies? You know, because Keisha Young sure could have used the help of her white allies around her, her LGBT, if she were was queer or not, allies around her in the middle of pride, instead of gawking and making jokes and looking at her, uh, what would have happened differently if people would have, you know, blown the whistle on the security guard, used their voice, hey, you know, stop that or whatever. Like, this is urgent. This is not funny. Use their voice in the urgent way to mirror and reflect the reality of what was happening as an ally, as someone who has power that takes up a space in a different way than a black woman, sadly, and would have had a different response with the security guard that was doing this to her, who is male, who is straight, and what would have happened? What would have happened to you in that very first response coming out about what happened to you if the person who had spoken, you had spoken to validated your experience or if the people in the space itself who witnessed it actually like put themselves out on the line to call attention to how wrong it was and to try to stop it. The next prompt I gave you was what, what had happened, you know, what you, what you, what, what, what happened if you, when you told someone or if you had told someone, and then how would you like to redo that experience? So if you did tell someone, or even if you tried to speak up for yourself in that moment and it wasn't effective, it wasn't filled with agency and a good result for you. You know, what would have what would have been the ideal response from the people around you? And what would have been the ideal response from the person you told it to perhaps after the fact? 
So I assume that Keisha Young would have loved to have her allies step in and do the thing that I just showed you. The response, if she told someone and they said something like, well, why were you there anyway? There aren't a lot of people of color there or, you know, something that's victim blaming is not the right response. Uh, I've had that happen to me when something, you know, bad has happened to me professionally or, or in public space and someone has said like, why were you there in the first place? Or, you know, why didn't you use your voice to speak up against why did you use your voice to speak up against these people in the in the beginning? And the answer was, you know, I didn't have, from my experience, and this goes back to self-censorship, is I didn't have the agency or the power to do that. And actually, Keisha Young was fighting back to this happening, but uh, the security guard won and overpowered her and... and dragged her out, right? Um, but many of us, when we run into someone who comes against us, who is confrontative and perhaps is of that, you know, dominant social class, we don't feel enabled or we don't feel that agency to say something, which is even more of a reason for if you are an ally, you have much more power than you realize. So just standing next to someone if something is happening or someone is saying something that you know is wrong and is connected in some way to their identification or you know their skin color or whatever their orientation can make a huge difference even if you don't say anything you just stand there and you're like with them so thinking about that you know if you are a diverse person this has happened to you what would be most helpful in the way that people would respond to you? And what would enable for your voice to come out in a way that would be effective, right? Because I always tell my clients as well that it's not just your solo voice that is doing the work, but it's also the support system that you have around you that creates a space for you to speak up. So self-censorship, we're thinking about that today. We're thinking about moments, instances, patterns, right? I spoke to someone recently where we had had this difficult exchange and she told me, you know what? When that was happening, I had a, I had a work bully at that time. I know that very well because I've had bullies in the past as well when I was a younger academic. I know how that can affect your uh, sense of yourself and your self-confidence and the feeling that, you know, that you are worthy, that you have self-worth. And I know how people can react as traumatized people, right? So it was something that I was really glad she told me about because I had a sense of this interaction we had had that didn't make sense. And it wasn't just about me in that moment. And it wasn't just about her. It was something systemic that was happening in her life and the way she was being targeted, right, as a woman of color or as a diverse person. And I understood. And it was a wonderful conversation. So self-censorship happens on many different levels. 
I do believe there's a way to remedy environments. I do believe that there's a way to form allyships with people within your workplace. I, I also do believe that, you know, if this isn't, if you're not able to do that and you do have a chance or an opportunity to go somewhere else that you know uh, has a healthier work culture, that you can do that too, or you can always be on the lookout for another place no matter what which I think is a really healthy thing to do, not get too comfortable where you are. So again, this has been Dr. Shannon Wong-Lerner. This has been our very first tutorial on self-censorship based on the, and I'm gonna pull it up right now, based on the episode that I had with Ebony Bell, which is episode 12 of the intersection, Diverse Folks Converse. And it is called Decentering Black Queer Self-Censorship in the Face of Public Shaming, Racial Profiling, and Violence with Queer Women of Color, Media, and Programs. We've talked about self-censorship, how that happens, this idea of allyship and what is an ally, what is an accomplice, and some, some ideas, some planting some seeds for allies that are listening as well. Our next communication tutorial will be on gaslighting and how can we can think through and work through gaslighting in our lives and in the workplace and start thinking about also this connection to self-censorship that diverse people experience. Gaslighting is one of the main ways that self-censorship self is fueled, especially for diverse people we can go back again to that textbook abuse definition of when someone wants to get control of you, when someone wants to manipulate you, and the systemic ways that this happens in our society, not just in our personal relationships, but in our work relationships. Gaslighting, very specifically, is when, and I don't have the definition here right now, but I'll share it in the next episode, it's when someone invalidates your experience. It may be in the form of victim blaming, but it's a way of like a crazy making, which they call in abusive relationships, making someone doubt themselves so much that they could get to the point of self-censorship, right? They can't even locate their voices anymore because they have been invalidated so much. So we're gonna talk more about gaslighting. I think it's really important to talk about just so you can identify it. And we're gonna think through some communication ways to deal with it. And perhaps might not be like direct things that you say, but ways that you prepare and take care of yourself and draw from your accomplices and allies around you to help you with these situations so you know what your truth is and you're able to speak it. Again, this has been Dr. Shannon Wong-Lerner. This has been Communication Tutorial. It's the Intersection Communication Tutorials for Diverse People. This is directly correlated to episode 12 of the Intersection Diverse Folks Converse in which we had special guest Ebony Bell, Editor-in-Chief of TAG Magazine. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you again for the next Communication Tutorial. Thank you so much for joining us at The Intersection, Communication Tutorials for Diverse People. I wanted to close the show just to let you know a couple of different ways you can support us. Please subscribe 
to the YouTube channel under Dr. Shannon Wong Lerner that houses the intersection. You can also go to Anchor, which has the intersection Diverse Folks Converse, where you can find all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please leave your reviews and subscribe there. I wanted to also take this opportunity to let you know that I just launched a program called Speak Your Way to Success. And a lot of the ideas that I discuss on the intersection communication tutorials is followed up with through this program. This program is something that has cultivated for a very long time with my 20 plus years of experience working with nonprofits, corporations, government entities, and individuals. And I've taken a lot of care and a lot of thought to put this program together to address the needs of diverse people. If you want to find out more about this program, or if you also want to find out how to reach me so I can speak at your event as a keynote speaker who focuses on DEI and communication skills, or one of the many trainings that I offer under DEI and or communication skills for your staff, you can contact me through LinkedIn or through my email at contact at drshannonwl.com. Please also take a look at my new website, which describes my services and thought leadership, including plenty of free content that you can look at related to communication and diverse people. That is drshannonwl.com. One last thing, I just wanted to mention that the intersection Diverse Folks Converse and Communication Tutorials for Diverse People has a GoFundMe page. Even though the intersection is a not-for-profit project specifically geared to help diverse people, we still have production costs and it would be wonderful just to get your assistance if you like the intersection. We're saying that anything you can spare to help the intersection would be helpful toward our production costs, even if it is Bernie style, such as $1, $5, or $10, can make a real difference in us meeting our costs for that month. Thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you again.